Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. We, we want to talk about stuff we should care about, but don't. Uh, not necessarily pet peeves, but just kind of Chris and I talk about these things all the time. You know, why don't you start us off, Chris? Because I know you had a couple right off the bat that, that you and I talked about. Oh, great. A couple others. Well, I, you know, I think everybody has their own things that some people seem to like stress over and you you see that or listen to them talking about it and you're like what the fuck i'm sure i have things that i care about that someone probably does the same thing but for me we only care about you and me right now that's what we care about but amen for me and this came up recently because i saw somebody calling leo fender an asshole because he didn't put <laughs> copper foil in his like in his Telecaster and his Stratocaster, he was like some sort of electronic idiot they thought he was because who would bother making an instrument without putting this copper tape in there? I don't know. I've been playing guitar for a long time. I've been fortunate enough to look in a lot of cool, really beautiful old 50s and 60s instruments and 70s, and there's nothing in there. And, you know, we've we've made a lot of music without that shit. Yeah. But there's a whole group of people that really care about that and couldn't fathom playing a guitar that wasn't shielded like with copper tape over everything <laughs> like i said those people that's what that's what they believe in and that's important to them but it's one of those things like i don't see how that ever could affect my enjoyment of guitar in any way even in the studio anytime but in the studio using a fender guitar and had any engineer or producer or anyone go, hey, man, that's really, you should shield that thing. That's really noisy. The one time I did have someone mention it when I was playing a Telecaster, it was in this studio in someone's garage, and this guy didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So he was like really stressed about that. And it was really annoying for me because he wasn't very with it. And he had a lot of issues. And the thing he chose to focus on was the buzz and the guitar. The thing of it is, when you play guitar, one of the things you learn is how to turn the volume down when you're not playing. And that goes yeah. away. And if you're, if you're recording a song, when the band comes in, it goes away. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But what is it? The, the replacements, Please to Meet Me, has that song. I think it's called IOU that has this glorious amp buzz at the end of the song. It's just <laughs> amp buzz. And it's yeah. beautiful. You know, and, and that's the thing that gets me is like, who takes up the electric guitar that doesn't like fucking noise? I mean, <laughs> that's why I started playing guitar is because I like noise. But at the same time, look at the P90 pickup. Everybody seems to love the P90, but even the people love the P90 are like, but it's so noisy. Don't they, yep. can't they make a quieter one? It's like, no, it's <laughs> it's a beautiful pickup. But again, that's just me. That's the thing that I should probably care about and don't. What, what do you got? I love that, man. Well, one of my things is I have a 70s Strat and I remember seeing the three bolt, you know, people bitching about the three bolt um, neck right that it oh it never stay you know and i've never had an issue with mine ever 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 and i've played this guitar for years i've had it for years and it stays in tune it's a workhorse i never it, i can never see that the the neck is like shifting in the pocket so that's one of the things for me like you know we talked about before 70s guitars yes it's not the golden age we know it's the bean counter era of fender and gibson but they still made some good guitars and um, this particular decision was probably totally guided by bean counter bullshit, but you know, one less screw in the in the neck. But no, that was that was actually Leo Fender's design, and oh, it, was, okay. it was a great I design. There was nothing, no, there was nothing wrong with that. Was and it just carried, to be able to adjust the? Yeah, he introduced yeah, the, yeah. the tilt neck, and he and three bolts were fine. He even yeah. took it over to GNL or Music Man when he was yeah, yeah, done. Yeah. 
eventually they had to they had to change it from Music Man though too because people are idiots and they just never let go of the fact that three bolts <laughs> just won't work. The problem with the three bolt neck was that the neck pockets. Some of them were really, really sloppy, and they did move around. If they had four bolts on them, they would move around when, yeah. when there's that much space in there. You pick up the neck, and they, you know, there's many, many three-bolt Fender guitars that are awesome, and there would be absolutely no problems with. But yeah, I mean, that's a thing, and that's something that I guess I don't care about that either. So I'm with you on that. I know people care about that. Like, but I mean, I have a three-bolt sitting right over there, and it's fine. Yeah. I don't care. What else you got? Awesome. Um I, I guess in terms of um, aesthetics, something you and I both agree on is is um, there are so many people that love uh, you know triple, quadruple, whatever flame tops on guitars, especially oh, yeah. as Pauls. And I love a plain top, like that's what I'm drawn to because I just love stock cars, stock, just simple minimalist stuff and i and i just think it looks better i just think it looks better on a guitar when it's not it doesn't have all this quilted flashy stuff now you know saying that i know that some people dig that stuff but for me i you know i have a plain top les paul and i've got a gold top but i would never buy like a quadruple or triple flame top just because no. it just doesn't appeal to me and that's something you know again i know there's tons of people out there that love that stuff and it's you know aesthetically it, it pleases them but i, I just don't like i've never been drawn to that Ever. No, these these things that we're talking about that people who d dislike things that they should like, that says a lot about the guitar player because I'm the same way with the the flame top. And that's just because, you know, like me, I'm a classic, you know, person. I, I like, I mean, my 345 has flame on the inside. It's, you know, it's a, a laminated guitar. So since it's a 60s reissue, they couldn't put the flame on the outside because <laughs> it would have been weird because they were they were really weren't that many of those 345s yeah. flames. So when you look through the FO, you can see that they used flame on the inside. It's like, yeah, you know, some of those bursts are kind of have like a subtle flame going out. Yeah. It's not, you know, and it's kind of it's really beautiful when you see those. And, you know, I've only seen maybe one or two like real like, you know, flame. And it's not like totally crazy, like uniform flame throughout the whole guitar. Yeah, I don't like those either. Add to that the color blue. And that's like the, the thing that would make me quit playing guitar is an all flame blue guitar. And I'm out. I'll go oh, I'll, awesome. I'll play something else. It's funny. We have these these qualities where we respond pretty powerfully to things that we dislike yeah about things that deal with our art it's kind of like music too but i think i'm even i even a little bit more open about music that i can get like something that i don't like yeah there's a million people that like yeah. that who cares you know but some of this stuff it's really hard sometimes to go what do you like about that i mean it's like how can you <laughs> how can you like that but again you know it's personal and it's like the things we don't like influence our music as much as the things we do like yeah well, and another thing I know that we've talked about that, you know, other people care about maybe that we don't care about so much is, is the Gibson headstock breakage uh, issue. Like all these forums are talking about, oh yeah, man, you know, my, I don't, what about, you know, people freaking out about having a Les Paul or, or oh man, I, I, is it going to break? And it's like, well, I've, you know, you and I both have had, I've never had a broken headstock ever on a gibson no, that I've i know owned. people have did it happens yeah i mean you it does happen sure but but again like it's not like these guitars are so prone to headstock breaks that it's something you need to lose sleep over you know well, it's a, de a design flaw according to the internet it's like it's, it's a design flaw huge design flaw because of the reasons that it breaks yeah, and it's like, yeah yeah 
You know, I mean, I would drop a, you know, drop a heavy poly Fender guitar and something I would rather break a headstock than have a giant chunk of that horrible poly, <laughs> like come off of my guitar. And, and another thing, and I may have said this before on this podcast, but I actually witnessed in the 90s of a, a 70s Les Paul falling from two tiers up on, you know, hangers. So it was the second row of guitars up. It oh kind of wiggled its way out and fell and hit the ground and bounced up in the air and fell on its back and the headstock was completely intact. Oh, it drove man. the end pin right into the body and like, <laughs> did some chips, but it was fine. A guitar that I really, really care about, I don't put on a stand, especially yeah. on stage with somebody like walking around. Like I, I just kind of don't do that. The thing about Gibson that gets me that a lot of people care about and I don't give a shit about is, uh -huh. um, they think that there's some sort of inherent fault with Gibson's guitars, particularly with the G string and tuning issues. Oh, right. right. It's all operator error. It's yeah. just like the nut. To the, those people's credit, if you get a new Gibson, chances of the nut being perfect are going to be pretty slim. So I don't think I ever bought it, except for this last one, but this was used, so it may have been had some work done on it. They always need a love, little bit of love, especially the G string. That's the one that gets bent a lot. And it's, yeah. you know, if the nut isn't just right, it's going to stick. So in that again, the the pitched headstock causes you to, to need to take a little bit more attention to them. But I mean, I've known people who I really admire that are really really good guitar players, and I've heard them, you know, make that joke. It's just like, what's wrong with these Gibson? What did Gibson do with these guitars? They just don't stay in tune. <laughs> like, my gosh, I don't just have set it up. Yeah, set it up correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm the same way, and I, you know, I bend all the time, and I've I've and again, my Gibson stay in tune. They don't tweak yeah I, I and I, all of this is to say i wish people and i can be guilty of this too sometimes focus on things that maybe are too inconsequential but just play your guitar play your gear right because some people focus on the minutiae to to a fault you know to to it seems like they're it's so distracting to them they're like not enjoying no the, it, the parts they should be enjoying which is playing the guitar and getting sounds and Exactly. I have a good example of that. I don't know if this happened to you, but back when I just started getting really good with my ear on the guitar, I've got to the point of where I could hear the inherent out of tuneness of the guitar, the equal tempered scale, and it drove me fucking nuts. I mean, I'm like, I would tune my D to be perfect. I'm like, that D sounds beautiful. And then I'd hit like a C or an F or something. It's like, that's terrible. And I had like a good guitar tech. I took it in and he explained to me about the e equal tempered tuning and he showed me a few tricks. And that was helpful, but also just letting go of that bullshit and focusing yeah. on that. Like I can hear the autotunist every time. I can still hear the autotunist if I really want to, but yeah. you know, I don't. I mean, and I play like guitars that, you know, like a junior that's just got to, you know, wrap around or a telly that's just got three, you know, barrel saddles. And I yeah. don't have a problem with playing it in tune. I can play it in tune. And if it's a little out of tune, it's not enough that it bothers me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't focus on the inherent out of tuneness. Yeah. Did that happen to you? Did you, did you ever go through a period where you just started driving you nuts? Like yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah. And like you, I mean, I, I had just had conversations with techs and, you know, read about it. But again, it's just like, you know, really developing the relationship with your instruments and your guitars so that you can tweak them to play to your taste and, and to your your style. And then also just tweak them so that they're you know, as in tune as, as they possibly can be and intonated and all that stuff. But, I, you know, we always talk about this. I, you know, we listen to old guitar recordings and they just sound great to me. The, the idiosyncrasies of the guitar, whether acoustic or, or, or electric, I love it. I love the weird, some of the dissonance that happens or, you know, and in the old days too, I mean, these guitars, 
probably were not intonated nearly as accurately as we can intonate things these days, or we care about intonating them these days. We care. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, we definitely yeah, care a lot yeah. more. And so, yeah. And so, but I love all the, the old recordings of guitars that are not this pristine, uh, you know, representation of what somebody thinks a guitar right. sounds. And they're musical. They, I mean, because people were musical players, they had yeah. ears. So something that I can't really wrap my head around is the, the, modeling amplifiers ah. and i'm sure that a lot of people are there's like a probably a whole culture that's into those and you can share like sounds from the internet and all this stuff <laughs> i just can't wrap my head around why i mean i guess the context that i could see that being super helpful in is like in a home recording environment yeah because they do sound good in that in that application and the other thing they, they take the microphone out of you know for a lot of people if you don't have a good sounding room and you don't have a good microphone you get really shitty guitar sounds and those modelers and you know maybe even the like the plug-in you know like amp simulators are, are really good for that but as far as like i was thinking about this the other day have you ever seen in, in come across another band when you were playing a show where anyone i mean i play a lot on three band bills yeah. and i've never run into one modeling amp in the last I don't know, five years or and then nothing before that. But I'm just, I figure five years would be a good amount of time to look back. And see, I haven't seen one of them pop up ever. Yeah. Have you? Well, locally, we played with that Rush band that, that did all, I think they, I don't even know, they might've had Fractal or something like that, but all, none of them had physical amps. They were all going through the system and it didn't, to me, it didn't sound all that great. And maybe, I don't know, it could be a number of things, you know, maybe it was early technology or, the, or they didn't know how to dial it but in, it sucked. Or but they sucked. <laughs> So that's, but to your point, that's the only, like, I've gone to a lot of shows, big shows, and the back line on every show that I can remember, guitar player rig is usually a reissue Fender Deluxe, which is tube, but still it's got the PC board probably, but it's tube, it's a tube amp. Right. And then the the bass, it's uh, one of those SVT stacks, you know, with the, I don't know, 100 tens in it or whatever whatever it is and those are the those are the amps that i see mostly for back lines and if it's a, if it's a band like you two or whatever i you know I, well that's another thing he's going to some digital thing but i don't know if that's for the vegas thing or not but when i saw him he had all his cool assortment of amps behind him you know which i like to see and so yeah i i, I have mixed feelings about it because i've read some articles of some staunch tube players that are finally kind of relenting for for what reasons they cite like you know oh it's so much more convenient and i don't have to you know it's it's, uh, it's not more consistent i know well it's, I, it's you not know, either of those things yeah. it's, it's like such an old boring argument that's been going on since like it started with solid state it's the same yeah. argument yeah. now for for modeling amps it's like it's not as those every modeling amp that's out today is going to be in the landfill and we'll still be playing these old classic <laughs> amps and i'm not kidding but i mean and the, and people are all right with that and i don't have a problem with people that are all right with that you know i mean yeah. so what i'm you know we're kind of funny that way i mean we just mentioned you know wanting classic things so i can definitely see that that's an aspect of my personality it's like i have no yeah. interest in anything that you know, I, I'm already all set anyways, but if I yeah. was going to get anything, I wouldn't even, I don't even like the, the reissue vendor stuff. You know what I mean? Because well, yeah. I'm just like, it's like, and that's great stuff. I mean, some of that stuff sounds really good and it's great. It's durable. People are using it. But for me, it's like, it's kind of like cheating. It's, you know, it's like, this looks like, just like a, a Fender yeah. amp, you know, Fender Deluxe, but it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. like not made the same way. I mean, I've built amps. I know that you can move a wire like, you know, three inches and the amp will sound different. Yeah. And 
they don't even have the same parts in them. You know what I mean? So well, they, yes, they're engineered to sound like that model, but they're yeah. not that model and they look like that model. Yeah. My favorite Fender model right now, the newest model they have is the Fender Pro Junior. And why I like that is it's a good sounding amp. It's its own thing. And you get the benefit of something being made shittily, like yeah. cheaply, yeah. <laughs> because you don't pay a lot for it. Yeah. With those reissue amps, they're made shittily and you pay a lot for them. If you look at like the Chris Stapleton Brown Princeton, uh -huh. that's made fantastic. That's a fantastically made amplifier. And it's made just like the old ones were, that's but it's cool. like new components. Great. But you you could probably get a, a real one for that. You yeah. know, an old yeah. one. For well, that. exactly. Yeah. For the amount. So it's like that's would be my dilemma, but it's great. It's great stuff. But yeah, that's a good example of something that I should care about. And I don't give a shit if any of that reissue <laughs> amp. And that goes for. I got like a pet peeve with companies that buy these old American brands and they put uh -huh. out really crappy cookie cutter Chinese oh, yeah, yeah. products. Who was yeah. that one that made that the big one like Eastwood? Eastwood, yeah. Or yeah, guitars. I remember seeing them. Some of them like, and some of these things were really expensive, like an old beautiful old Harmony copy. Yeah, and it was just like plastic. Like it was just terrible. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a fan of that stuff. And I know people are. But to, to, again, to me, that's like you're it's kind of diluting this brand. There's still a lot of great old harmonies yeah. out, out there and they're not anything like those. They have this really cool, like unique finish on them. They feel like a wooden instrument and they're great. I know a lot of people probably like that's a great thing. Oh, I can go out and I can buy a harmony again, you know, and that's and that's cool for you. But I don't care about that. I don't you know, I don't want that. It's the same with the, the amps. Well, about the amps, I, I you. You and I totally agree. I mean, I think I bought a reissue and it's the PC board. It's tube, sure, but it's that PC board that's nearly impossible to work on. And most techs don't want to work on them because they're fragile and they'll break and it's just a big pain in the ass. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of shitty and false advertising of these companies to build a, hey, it's a reissue deluxe. It's not. It's not. And I started to think about that when I had the amp. I'm like, well, I don't want this thing anymore because if 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 I do have to have it serviced, nobody's going to want to work on the damn right. thing. So I sold it and I bought a, a real 65 Princeton, black, you know, black panel Princeton. How much more expensive? How much more expensive? Just out of curiosity, quite a bit much. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing that's compelling is you know they can sell these reissues for you know yeah under a grand or, or about a grand you know, and if you want to buy a vintage one you. They're going up and up and up. They're expensive. They sure are. But you can get silver panel ones, real yeah. vintage ones for a, for decent prices. They're still going up. But you can, to your point, you can get a real amp that's that's hand wired in its tube that can be serviced by somebody, still. And so that's the thing that really does piss me off about these amps. It's like you know, it, it's not the same amp. And and if you buy it and you're yeah, you're saving money supposedly. But if you take it to a tech, they're going to go, I don't want to work on this goddamn thing. And then so right. you got to find a tech that's willing to do that. And then if they break the PC board, they got to do, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so or if yeah. the company just changed the version of the board and gets rid of it and don't, you know, right, right. Them, it's just, it's eventually it's going to the landfill. That's all yeah. it's about it. And that's not bad. I mean, for like a, the, the pro juniors or the fender, you know, those other amps that's great it's a, like a it's a tube amp it's inexpensive it sounds good it's you know you, it's it, it could break i mean they're not yeah. super durable but you can you can gig with them they're great and i, and I love those amps that's i still i mean when someone is looking for an amp you know like used you know 250 300 i always mention the fender pro because it's a really good sounding amp yeah. and you benefit from a cheaply made amp you get the benefit you don't not paying a lot so that chris stapleton brown 
Princeton. I think that's around thirty five hundred dollars. Maybe I'm not sure. So yeah, the Princeton. It's you bought a, but that's doesn't have reverb. That's not the Princeton reverb. That's this regular. Yeah, Princeton. that's yeah. The Browns don't have reverb. Don't, mine right. does have reverb. It's a Princeton reverb, and right. I I think mine was about God. I don't remember how much between three and four grand. Yeah, yeah that's about what the Chris Stapleton. But exactly for. And that, to your and that's point, the brown one. Yeah. yeah, and to your point, if you want to, you know what's what's you know go get a get a vintage one you know uh, but unless you love chris stapleton and you you know you want that amp but i would but it, that's a good amp i mean that's i mean that's as yeah. good as, as you're going to get to a, an old one it's but again is that is that gonna increase in value like a, a vintage fender that you would buy no. probably not and so that's what makes me so mad about this whole thing and i'm just as we're talking about this it makes me think okay well there are all these amp builders out there that are that will do hand wired stuff and tube stuff and they'll they'll sell them for they'll sell them they're pricey but you know why doesn't fender if if some if some independent builder can afford to do that and make these amps why can't fender do that right they do they they, they have the custom shot i'm sure they have no but i mean just just build them build the regular amps the way they use the regular amps yeah Yeah. they, they, they would be expensive i mean the market for people who would pay that much for a tube amp is probably i mean but there are people pay, paying a shit ton of money for um right right some builder in oxnard wherever you know you know like dr z or i all these amps that are being built they're paying a shit ton of money for those amps and they're not going to appreciate in value and so a whole that's their value, but yeah you're right you're right not, not you know, like so that's why yeah. i don't understand it's like and and part of it probably is just built-in obsolescence and they can sell a ton of units and and blast through them and then like you said they can charge more for the custom shop things because it's this special thing that they used to just do for all their standard models but it is frustrating man it frustrates me when you actually do the math of what stuff costs back then and you figure for inflation it's still around the same yeah it seems it seems like an ungodly amount of money i think you know if you have a black-faced what did you say 65 fender princeton yeah yeah if you got that for three or four thousand dollars that's great you're never gonna i mean you'll always get that back maybe even more i mean it's you know that seems like well that's a lot of money but it's a, a you'll never there's nothing in that amp that could ever you couldn't replace that's the thing about it all these like amp companies that are making this pcb stuff when the board gets obsolete or they stop making it or making it a different way yeah. that amp is that amp's going to the landfill and there's always you know there's you can pick what brand of output transformer you want for your you know 60s deluxe or yeah princeton they, they're still making that stuff because it, it, it just lasts it it's yeah. made to last you know what i mean and they do. You're right. There, there's boutique companies making stuff to last now. But even that, you know, some of the stuff, I mean, even like Jacks and stuff, it's not, I mean, all that stuff is still getting cheaper and cheaper. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm, I need people to get off my lawn. But <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I should really care that all these reissue amps are made for a reasonable price and that all these guitar companies that went out of business are back for a reasonable amount of money. But I don't care because they don't, yeah. I, I think they kind of diluted and, and they kind of took a shit on the brand. Yeah. yeah. And back to the modeling amps that you talked about. Earlier. Oh, that's right. This I was could, a big. No, I mean, I love it. <laughs> no, I love it, man, because it it ties in too, because it's just part of the, the overall deal with amps. But the modeling thing for me, and I, I'm, I always, always wonder about younger players too, but I, a lot of the bands I like, the younger players are playing through tube amps, even if they're reissues, fine, but they're still playing mm-hmm. through tube amps. And so, but for me, I'm of, the, I love to see gear on stage. I just love it because I, I want, I go see a band and my expectation is they're just going to have a bunch of stacked 
crap behind them that is going to, they're going to be playing through. And it's fun for me to see, oh, oh, they're playing through this or that or the other thing. And so if, if they're just going direct through this, whatever, you know, processor or whatever it is, I mean, they could, I guess they could put a bunch of faux, which, which many bands do anyway, you know, they're, they're not really playing through 20 Marshall stacks on stage. They're playing right, through probably right. a half stack, but, but the point is I love to see gear on stage because it just, um, and also if you're playing on stage, it's, it's different when you've got stuff behind you that's cranking oh, and yeah, you yeah. feel it and it's pushing the air, especially bass players, you know, like playing through those SVTs, you know, and if, but if, if all you're getting is, is the, the, the monitor feed or whatever, it's different. It's a different vibe, you know? And so I don't know. No, I, I, I hear you. The closest I ever came to dipping my toe in the modeling stuff was probably about 10 years ago. Maybe I got one of those pod those, is a line six pod yeah, those little things yeah. I, I got it for a headphone app because I, I had like people i didn't want to annoy people in the house when i wanted to practice so i got one of those and it was so annoying i mean none of the sounds i mean i'm sure it's what i know for a fact that the, the technology is way better now but i mean then it was like none of the amps sounded like they did you had to hook it up to the computer and it's just like all this like this highway to finding other ways to geek out that really don't do anything for your guitar playing. They, they all sound like a shitty headphone amp. But that said, what was it like native instruments or one of those things that's like an amp simulator for the computer. Uh-huh. And I've done that. And, and like I'm plugged my guitar in and I've got headphones in and it sounds like a shitty like, oh, yeah, this is really shitty. But in the <laughs> song coming back, it sounds really good because you lose any of that like weird phasing issues you get with a microphone and it just like it's kind of thin which works to its advantage because it sits better in you know in the mix so i've heard some really excellent sounding like home recording done with like digital like modeling stuff so all that stuff is getting better i'm sound like i'm just down on technology i'm not it's getting better but for me and it sounds like for you it's it's just it's it's a whole package you know i mean you mentioned like wanting to see amps on stage i want i love the smell of it yeah i mean I yeah. Love everything yeah. about it just and you're right the way you're standing on stage and you're hitting chords that's a big thing i heard somewhere like in nashville now it's everything is in ear and there's no yeah. amps or something and yep. i just i would probably re- rethink my wanting to play live if i had to do that <laughs> i mean seriously because that's i mean part of the joy of it is just you know there's the sound of an amp in a club you know it's like the sound of yeah. a band in a club and yeah and like i said i'm real curious to know if you know 10 20 30 years down the line it will just you know whatever's driving it if if things will just go that way or not but i i like you say i i kind of have i'm heartened to a to see younger artists play like chris stapleton he's a young artist and he's got his own signature tube amp that's awesome and then other bands i like um like japanese breakfast or or madison cunningham just to name a couple off the top of my head they both play through amps you know and they play cool fender off offset guitars they play tube amps which is super cool and they're young they're super young artists that are kind of hot right now Mm -hmm. um but I always think about it because I always, you know, we're of the age now where it's like, okay, am I just an old fart that wants to, you know, I, I'm stuck in my ways and I, I, I don't know. But for the reasons I cited exactly, like if I'm playing on stage, I want to hear my amp behind me. I want to feel it behind me. And if I'm at a show, I want to see that gear on stage. It just makes me happy. It makes me happy to see what somebody's playing. Like Neil Young, like seeing all his crazy tweed amps on stage, you know, and his little wizard thing or whatever. But um, I don't know. 
I, I often think about it, like if it'll just eventually go a certain way, but I mean, the eighties was supposed to be the end of guitars and look at where we yep. are now. So, you know, yeah, everybody, every, the guitar has, has been dying. It's for its entire <laughs> life. It's been on the way out. Yeah. No, I it's mean, so no, true. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, the age of a guitar player has anything to do with like their love for, I mean, there's plenty of them that love you know, the same stuff we love. And yeah. I am old and cranky and all that stuff. I'll admit <laughs> to that, but it's because this hobby is like, is a passion and yeah, it's a, a hobby of passion. So, you know, you just get passionate about things, but yeah, just like you were saying before, I, I have you like, I use, was using GarageBand for a long time to record and they had kind of some amp modeling stuff in their software that I used. And it is kind of cool, but it, it doesn't, at the time it didn't capture um, I could, I could get some decent sounds, I guess, is what, you're yeah. but, but yeah, I, I don't know if it captured the, the, the sounds as I, as I envisioned them or, or could get with a, with a mic in front of an amp. But, right. um, so I think in certain applications, you know, for me, I have used them and they, they've worked out, but I, I still like, if I'm going to make a final cut of a song, I, I want to do it in a room with an amp and a mic in front of it and, and, you know, get it done that way. And same with live. I mean, I, played with so many different sound people that can just dial in a live band really well and they just work with the band in terms of you know positioning your amp and the microphone in front of your amp or or you know volume and i know it can be done it's been done <laughs> historically and it's being done now so um but I, yeah i don't know the whole modeling thing is it, it's a hot topic right now and I've, i know a lot of people are talking about it but yeah who cares? We should. We should really care. <laughs> we don't. Not necessarily. Well, I th that was good. I, I think we covered. We'll save some more things we should care about, but don't for for another time. But yeah, there's a we lot. Got, we there. got going. There are a lot. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. As always, we love it, and we're super psyched to say that we are now members of the Ruinous Media Network of podcasts and content. So we're super psyched about that. You'll be hearing more about that in the coming months. Uh, and we're just really happy to be a part of that whole stable of great content. So keep your ears peeled and and keep contacting us through email and, and online. We'd love to hear from you. Give us ideas. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear that. Chris, you got any final words? Just thank you for listening and play some goddamn guitar. Right. <laughs>